0: The mainstream media in the left are so afraid of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis that they're willing to completely destroy what little credibility they have left to take him down. This is Rob Smith's Problematic. It has been quite the 24 hours in our, our fake news media cycle. Um, Yet another one of our esteemed journalistic institutions has completely embarrassed themselves and revealed themselves to be partisan so that they could use the goodwill that they had um, from the American people for decades and decades to take down one of their political enemies. Now, the political enemy in this case is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And before I even go into this, before I I go into and really break down this act of journalistic malpractice that CBS News and and 60 Minutes have been involved with, I want to give you an idea of why the, the left hates Ron DeSantis so much we have been doing the coronavirus pandemic, these lockdowns, this hysteria that this country has been going through. We have been doing this for a year, okay? Um, we have done lockdowns. They There are some places in this country where schools are still not open, okay? Uh, we have destroyed the economy. We have ruined countless lives so that Democrats can can regain power and so that they can regain more power and more control the one person who is in a position of power to really deny all of these narratives and all this stuff is ron desantis right ron desantis is the governor of florida ron desantis um did not want did not want to extend lockdowns any further than the initial six weeks he did not do that um desantis opened up schools so that kids can go to schools. This is here in Florida. Um, DeSantis you know, opened things up, bars, restaurants, all of that stuff. You guys know I'm a New York City lockdown refugee. I came to Florida about two months after the lockdowns in New York, having lived in New York for 12 years, I could not take it anymore, I came down to Florida. And so when I talk about all of this stuff, I've seen this stuff play out with my own two eyes. And as somebody that that has a voice that that does media stuff that actually lives in Florida, because a lot of the people that that you're seeing, you know, on our on our news networks, whether it's Fox, MSNBC or wherever, most of these people are doing this from New York. So what I'm telling you is 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 things that I've seen as a, a newfound Floridian, the left, the mainstream media, Democrats hate Ron DeSantis because he has made their leaders, the ones that they love, the the. Uh, Governor Cuomo's and and Governor Newsom's and uh, Governor Whitmer from Michigan. He has made all of these people look like incompetent partisan fools. And this is why the left hates him so much. Now, the left hates him so much that they will use the once respected journalistic institution of 60 Minutes to destroy him. So, There is this 60 Minutes report that came out, and I'm going to take you through exactly what the point of this report is. But basically, the the point of this report is to make it seem as if um, Ron DeSantis used Publix, which is a very, very well-known grocery chain here in Florida, to distribute vaccines because Publix made some sort of campaign donation to him, so this was a sort of pay-to-play thing. And the idea is that this is why he used Publix to, to push out the vaccine rollout, right? So now they can't say that people are just dying on the streets in Florida because that is not true, right? They can't say that Ron DeSantis was uh was not keeping our seniors safe and was not prioritizing our senior citizens when it comes to covid because we know that that is not true and we know the one who really murdered literally thousands of of senior citizens via right. bad policy is governor cuomo right you know this this is the one who who wrote the book about how amazing he he uh he was during the pandemic right so they have been testing this line of attack on Ron DeSantis for quite some time, and so this is this is their 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 coup de grace, right? This is what their their big story is. So we're gonna prove we can't say that he's killed people because he hasn't. We can't say that he hasn't prioritized senior citizens because he he has. We can't say that he's destroyed the economy because he didn't lock down Florida because our the Florida economy is doing very well um, in terms of some of the other states who have done lockdown. So we can't do any of these things, is what the mainstream media is saying. So we're going to have to prove (laughs) that he chose Publix to do the vaccine rollout because Publix played him and so because Publix paid him. And so I want you to listen to this first clip. And this first clip is how CBS on 60 Minutes is kind of setting up, you know, where this is going to go.
1: So why did the governor choose Publix? Campaign finance reports obtained by 60 Minutes show that weeks before the governor's announcement, Publix donated $100,000 to his political action committee, friends of Ron DeSantis. Julie Jenkins-Fancelli, heiress to the Publix fortune, has given $55,000 to the governor's PAC in the past, and in November, Fancelli's brother-in-law, Hoyt R. Barnett, a retired Publix executive, donated $25,000. Publix did not respond to our request for comment about the donations. Governor DeSantis is up for re-election next year. I imagine Governor DeSantis's office would say, look, we privatized the rollout because it's more efficient and it works better.
2: It hasn't worked better for people of color. Before, I could call the public health director she would answer my calls, uh, but now, if I want... Uh, To get my constituents' information about how to get this vaccine, I have to call a lobbyist from Publix. That makes no sense. They're not accountable to the public.
1: Distributing vaccines is lucrative. Under federal guidelines, Publix, like any other private company, can charge Medicare $40 a shot to administer the vaccine.
0: Okay, so this is Act One. of the, the narrative that 60 Minutes is trying to push right here. Now, mind you, this is a pay-to-play narrative. And also, you know, this uh, this person that they interviewed, you guys can only hear this, but this is a black man that they interviewed, right? And so he talked about, um, you know, this isn't prioritizing for people of color, right? So this is another narrative that that they're kind of floating around in here which is that governor ron desantis doesn't care about black and brown people and he's basically trying to kill them right uh, and this is something that has been playing out for quite some time i saw one of the the biggest pieces of journalistic malpractice i've ever seen on on the uh, joy Reed has a show on msnbc and she did this entire segment um that left out so many facts but the idea of this segment was that Ron DeSantis is racist and he doesn't care about black and brown people and that's why he's not prioritizing the vaccine for them right so this is the narrative that that they are trying to play out so now in part 2 of of this CBS News 60 Minutes narrative, they get Ron DeSantis on camera. So this is their big get, right? And so I want you to listen to this interaction between Ron DeSantis and this intrepid, dogged reporter that is just trying to get to the truth because, you know, democracy dies in darkness. So listen to this.
1: We wanted to ask Governor DeSantis about the deal, but he declined our request for an interview. We caught up with him south of Orlando. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in so Palm So, first Beach. of all, that,
2: what you're saying is wrong. How, how is
1: that not paid to that, play? That's a
2: fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents
1: but melissa McKinley, the county commissioner in the glades told us the governor never met with her about the public's deal the criticism is that it's pay to play it's governor. wrong
2: it's wrong it's a fake narrative i just disabused you of the narrative and you don't care about the facts because obviously i laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable well, I, I and so asked, it's clearly not
1: isn't there the nearest no 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 you're wrong, you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong yes it's actually a fact
0: so if you are one of the millions of Americans who watch CBS News and watch 60 Minutes every single week, you would think that this was the total story, that this was the the full extent of this interview, that, um, that the reporter caught up with Ron DeSantis. And so this would let you think that this was the entirety of what happened, but it turns out that is not entirely true. As a matter of fact, CBS News not in 60 Minutes not only deceptively edited this clip, but they edited out a longer portion of the back and forth between Ron DeSantis and this reporter in which he pretty much debunks everything that this entire segment is all about. Now, listen to this. This is about two and a half minutes, but I really want you to listen to exactly what DeSantis has to say about this, and I want you to think about why CBS News in 60 Minutes decided to eliminate this.
2: So first of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. That's, that, that's a fake narrative. So first of all, when we did the, the first pharmacies that had it were CVS and Walgreens, and they had a long-term care mission. So they were going to the long-term care facilities. They got vaccine in the middle of December. They started going to the long-term care facilities the third week of December to do LTCs. So that was their mission. That was very important, and we trusted them to do that. As we got into January, we wanted to expand the distribution points. So, yes, you had the counties. You had some drive-through sites. You had hospitals that were doing a lot. But we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're to use you as soon as you're done with that. For the Publix, they were the first one to raise their hand and say they were ready to go. And you know what? We did it on a trial basis. I had three counties. I actually showed up that weekend and talked to seniors across four different Publix. How was the experience? Is this good? Should you think this is the way to go? And it was 100% positive, so we expanded it, and then folks liked it. And I can tell you, if you look at a place like Palm Beach County, they were kind of struggling at first in terms of the senior numbers. I went, I met with the county mayor, I met with the administrator, I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites, we can give more to hospitals, we can do the publics, we can do this they calculated that 90% of their seniors live within a mile and a half of a Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So we did that. And what ended up happening was, you had 65 Publix in Palm Beach. Palm Beach is one of the biggest counties, one of the most elderly counties. We've done almost 75% of the seniors in Palm Beach. And the reason is because you have the strong retail footprint. So our uh, way has been multifaceted, it has worked. And we're also now very much expanding CVS and Walgreens now that they've completed the long-term care mission. Yes. And it's wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative. And you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. And so it's clearly not.
0: So this is the full extent of what happened. And so when you listen to that stuff, And when you compare that to every single thing that I've just broken down for you, the question is, you know, why is CBS doing that? And I'll get to that. But to just wrap this part up, the Democratic – so there's a former Democratic state representative, and this person is the director of the Florida Division of Emergency Management. His name is Jared Moskowitz. His completely came out for the second time, against this entire narrative. Now, this, uh, this guy, Jared Moskowitz, is a Democrat. How much of a Democrat is he? He literally has an emoji of somebody wearing a mask in his Twitter handle. This is how much of a Democrat this person is, and even this person had to go to Twitter and say that this is a lie. And I quote, 60 Minutes. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Publix was recommended by Healthy Florida and other people as the other pharmacies were not ready to start, period, full stop. No one from the governor's office suggested Publix. It's just absolute malarkey. This is what he said, right? So this is what this Democrat, director of the Florida Division of Emergency Management said. And he said this again because in early March, he said the exact same thing. So what you have is a reporter with a mainstream news organization that used to be trusted, um, basically using 60 Minutes and using this platform to push a narrative that had already been debunked a month before this segment even aired. So what does this mean? And why is CBS and other mainstream media outlets doing this? Why are they doing this? I'm going to break this down right after the break. So mainstream media pushes narratives. Mainstream media um, doesn't give you the facts. Mainstream media, as I have just told you in the previous segment, has done um, every single thing in the world, right, to... To push forth a narrative that basically the only reason that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis used Publix as the the place to roll out their vaccines is because it was a a pay-to-play thing, right? So that has been debunked. That has been debunked by a Democrat. That has been debunked by the full exchange that you've just heard that they've cut off. So this has all been debunked. So the question is, why is CBS doing this? Why uh, is the mainstream media doing this? Why are they pushing this narrative? Um, take a look at your Twitter feed. Take a look at your social media feed. What is trending? Hashtag Death Santas. Um, hashtag, you know, Florida idiots, Florida crazies, play to play, pay to play, etc. What you have to understand about how the mainstream media works nowadays is that we are in, and I've said this to you guys before, We are in what I like to call a post-truth era. So this is a post-truth era, right, where facts don't matter anymore, where the full context of statements do not matter anymore because they want to cut off um, the the truth and, and they want to push forward their narrative. And the question is, why is CBS doing this? Why is the mainstream media doing this? Number one, because they're allowed to get away with it over and over and over again. Nobody ever pays. Nobody ever retracts anything. I think I told you guys a couple of episodes back about um, a a fairly stunning retraction when it came to the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick um, during the Capitol riots on January 6th. A stunning retraction, right? So they're never called out on this. They never have to pay for it. And the people that want to believe these things will believe them. And I've told you guys all the time, like I tell you guys all the time, I am not here to think for you. I am here to tell you what I think, and I want you guys to go out and to... Um, look for some of this stuff. I want you to get the facts for yourself, and I want you to decide what you think. But the mainstream media, and the Democrats that pull their puppet strings, and the people that are, are behind these organizations, and the people that work for these organizations know that if they can put out a narrative, if they can put out a false narrative, then people will believe it. And it's almost to the point right now where whenever I see something trending on Twitter, I just think this is leftist crap and and it just doesn't do anything for me. You know, It doesn't work for me and for most of the people because I know exactly what that is. So this is why CBS does this. Um, This is why a lot of these outlets do this. And you have to understand that these people hate DeSantis because, like I said, he makes their golden boys and girls look stupid. Ron DeSantis makes Andrew Cuomo not only look stupid but look like a criminal. He makes... Um, Governor Newsom in California look like a joke. And what it is, is that, and one of the, the worst things about this entire coronavirus pandemic is that how every single thing is politicized. If these people in these other states, whether it be Florida, whether it be New York, whether it be Michigan, if they went by facts and data, and if they took other things into consideration, other than you know the the amount of deaths that we see because of coronavirus, if they took, took into consideration um the destruction of economies, if they took into consideration uh this epidemic of people killing themselves, if they took into consideration the kids that are depressed and lost a year of their schooling, fundamental year of their schooling, if they took all these things into consideration and were not just playing politics to get Trump out of the White House, they may have made. The same decisions that Ron DeSantis made in Florida. Now, was there a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a political um, element to the decisions he made in Florida? Yes, because Republican governors and Republican lawmakers are are bound by the fact that the people that vote for them are voting for freedom. Freedom is why we vote for Republicans. We do not vote for totalitarianism. We do not vote for authoritarianism. This is why we vote for Republicans. So yes, um, a Republican that wants to balance the budget and that has other things to take into consideration besides just um, science-based you know deaths from from coronavirus or anything like that is probably going to lean more towards solutions that will keep the con- keep their state open. What he did was a risk and I think that people do not realize and they do not take into consideration the fact that it was highly risky what Ron DeSantis did last year. Highly risky. And it took a lot of political courage and it took a lot of political guts to do what he did. But you know what? A year after this, he has been proven right. And that is why these people hate him. And you also have to break something down. Um, When we're talking about this specific um, conversation, we're talking about this specific instance of mainstream media malfeasance. The idea that CVS and Walgreens are these big national corporations, which they are, mind you. And the idea that CVS and Walgreens would be better used to disperse the coronavirus vaccine than something like Publix depends on the vast majority of Americans not living in Florida, right? So when we talk about the mainstream media and when we talk about these things that they do, you have to understand that the vast majority of people that work for these outlets live in places like New York, L.A., Boston, D.C., like, you know, the Beltway, stuff like that, right? So they know that when they are putting this story out, the vast majority of Americans, if you are not in Florida, have n- have little clue what Publix is. I live in Florida. I will tell you that I can literally walk out of my building right now and stand on a corner and look to my left and see one Publix and look to my right and see another Publix. This is how widespread Publix are in Florida. Now Floridians know this. Floridians know Floridians think about Publix, and you're like, man, you know, Publix is everywhere. Of course, they're going to want to use Publix and the pharmacies, by the way, because Publix uh, is a large grocery store that also has pharmacies, right? So Publix is everywhere. So of course, you're going to want to use Publix if you want to get the vaccine out to the vast majority of people. But like I said, this. Uh, this hit piece was not about truth. It was not about facts. It was about floating a narrative and floating this narrative to the vast majority of people who do not live in Florida, right? And also, if you heard in that first clip that I shared with you, there is this idea that DeSantis is letting black and brown people die, right? And so they they knew, you know, to, to find a black man to, to do this interview with... And so the idea is that, you know, he's letting black and brown people die. And so when we talk about the coronavirus, and when the left talks about coronavirus, they always talk about the coronavirus in terms of race, right? And not in terms of the fact that elderly people of any color, mind you, are more likely to die um, or be hospitalized from the coronavirus than younger people, right? And if you listen to that longer clip with Ron DeSantis, he basically said that Walgreens and CVS were used to prioritize the vaccine to the elderly people because they got it first. So the idea is that they had this vaccine and it was pushed out there to the elderly first. Like, this is actually what happened, right? Right. And so the facts of what happened—the facts that we had elderly people of all colors, by the way, that were prioritized with coronavirus vaccinations—and we have elderly people again of all colors, by the way, that were kept safe because DeSantis was not making uh, the the directives that are are getting you know and uh, Governor Cuomo in in so much trouble right now. And so this idea that coronavirus disproportionately affects black and brown people and all of that other stuff coronavirus disproportionately affects the elderly and the unfortunate thing about what is going on with the entire conversation about coronavirus and this hit piece is just is just one small part of it is that we can now not speak about um the people that are more likely to to Have negative effects because of the coronavirus. We have to speak of everything through the lens of race, racism, black and brown people, all of these other things, because it is the only language that the left understands. The only language that the left understands and the only language that the left can use to push forward their agenda is the language of race and racism. That is why we have heard this throughout the coronavirus pandemic. This is why we will continue to hear this. The reason why the left uses race and racism in this language, in this way, is because they know that the the people that they are targeting, these... The black and brown communities that they depend so much on their votes. They depend on the votes of blacks and Latinos like a junkie depends on his his or her next hit. I swear to God, this is how deeply they are dependent on, on black and Latino votes. So everything must always be filtered through the lens of race, racism, and ethnicity. It's bad news. I do not know where this goes, but it does not go anywhere good because if this is the only way that we can have a conversation about anything that is affecting our society, the least of which a deadly virus that, by the way, came from China, which is another thing that, that we're not allowed to say. But that's a fact. The virus came from China. Then I don't know where that goes. I really do not know where that goes. I do not know how that brings Americans together. And I I, I do not know, right? I, I just really don't know where this goes. And as far as Juan DeSantis goes, what is happening right now with the left and, and their obsession with DeSantis, because they're they are becoming obsessed with this man in, in, in much the same way that they were obsessed with Trump. You know, these people need a villain. They are testing out attacks for 2024. They are testing these attacks and they are seeing what will stick. Because these people know, they are well aware of the fact that if Trump does not run in 2024, and I've been on record, I will say this again, I do not think that it's a good idea for Trump to run again in 2024. I've said it before, I've said, I'll, I will say it again. We as a country, we did this. We already did it. We don't need it. This is not Groundhog Day. We don't need it again. But should Trump decide not to run in 2024, DeSantis is far and away the most popular Republican in America outside of trump and that terrifies the left not only is he a popular republican but he is smart enough to defend himself from their lies their attacks their smears and their propaganda and he is smart enough to do this and to make them look stupid you will likely hear very little about this cbs 60 Minutes story this hit piece on him Because by the time this podcast gets out, everybody starts talking about it. By the end of this week, it will have been so thoroughly debunked, and CBS News in 60 Minutes will so have thoroughly embarrassed themselves and destroyed another piece of their legacy that when they decide to come back with even more attacks in 2024, should DeSantis decide to run, that even less people will listen to it because they have seen this over and over and over again. Now do I believe that there is some that that there is you know something good that can come out of true honest journalism? Absolutely. There is something good that can come out of journalism. Out of real journalists that are getting real facts, not just things that they are twisting to push their narrative. The unfortunate thing is that we are not seeing true journalism anymore. We are seeing narratives, we are seeing half-truths, and we are seeing the mainstream media collude to test out attacks on a very popular Republican that could possibly be president one day. Next up, the left has defined Georgia's new voting laws as what else, racist, and corporations have followed suit. What does this mean for the country? And what does this mean for our future as Americans? I will break that down after the break. You've probably been hearing a lot lately about these new Georgia voting regulations that have just been signed into law. You probably heard that they're racist. You probably heard that they're a relic of the Jim Crow era. You probably heard that it is just these evil good old boy white Republicans colluding once again to disenfranchise these poor, stupid black and brown people who are too dumb to get a voter ID, right? You probably heard all this stuff. What you would be surprised about is is how hard it is to actually find out what is in this voting bill right I when I was prepping for this podcast and I was prepping for today I looked all over the internet for for places that could just break down just give me what is in the bill that could just break it down like it's a 98 page bill. I looked long and hard for this. I finally found something. And this came from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, right? This is a a newspaper in Atlanta. But to get to this, I had to sift through so many – they did interviews with Democrats, so much of this propaganda that they kind of like slip in there just to get the facts. And I'm going to read you some of the facts that I found about this voting law. Absentee voters will be required to submit driver's license numbers or other documentation under a new process for checking their identity, replacing signature matching processes. Over 200,000 Georgia voters lack a driver's license or state ID number, meaning they will need to submit additional proof of their identities. I am not entirely sure what is wrong with this, guys. I have no idea. What is wrong with voter ID when this idea has become racist? I don't know when that happened. I don't know why people are so eager to hop on that narrative. I don't know why there are so many black people that are even liberals who allow um, Democrats to look at them with a straight face and say, you are too stupid to get an ID, and that is why voter ID laws are racist. So first of all, you need an ID to do a lot of different things. I've got this uh, this AMC A-list thing where so I can see three movies a week um, at the movie theater. I have to show my ID for that. I have to show my ID when I buy alcohol. I have to show my ID to do lots of different things. Um, nowhere is that racist. But when it comes to, to voting laws, right? So that's one narrative. And more about this law. Besides requiring ID numbers to vote absentee, the bill mandates that ballot drop boxes be located inside early voting locations, limiting their usefulness. Drop boxes won't be available to voters in the last four days of an election when it is often too late to mail them in time. Now let's talk a little bit about drop boxes here. You may not know because the left doesn't want you to know this is that drop boxes are a creation of the COVID era, era. Drop boxes did not exist before before COVID, before coronavirus, before these ways in which the left changed the changed electoral processes um and used COVID in order to do so. So now, not only did something that did not exist before COVID now exists, they're saying that to limit the access to this thing that did not exist before COVID is racist. Again, know the facts. And this is the uh the biggest whopper right here. Well, actually, let me let me give you one more fact. Then I'm gonna go to the biggest whopper. So um, one more fact: weekend voting before general elections will be expanded with mandatory voting hours on two Saturdays statewide. Counties will retain the option to allow early voting on two Sundays, but early voting before runoffs will be reduced to a minimum of just one week before Election Day, right? So this restricts early voting. And, and let's talk about early voting here. We all remember what happened in, in 20, uh, the 2020 election. We remember that the mainstream media suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. This is something that gave a lot of independents pause, And I remember, you know, reading a lot of interviews with a couple of these people, and they said, if I had known that, um, because this is something that dropped, I think, I believe it was a couple weeks before the election. And there were a lot of people that said, had I known this, I may have voted differently. And so this is the idea, like, this is why we restrict early voting and all that stuff why you know from you know 3 you know 3 4 months before the election to a couple of weeks before the election because voters a lot of people really do make their minds at the last minute right so that that is what this is all about and, and so either way outside of all of this stuff you have probably never heard these laws broken down in this way. You probably never heard anybody just speak very basically about, look, this is what the law is, and this is what it's intended to do. And to maybe, you know, have a a couple of examples from the debacle, which was the 2020 election that we all just lived through to kind of put it in context. Right. And so there's a lot of couple, there's a few things happening here. First of all, I will guarantee that you've heard that this law is racist, that evil Republicans are targeting black and brown voters, that it's a Jim Crow relic that, in the words of President Biden, it's sick. This is what you have heard. This is what you have heard about this this Georgia election law. And for me, to, to respond to the president... Um, you know, Biden's idea that this is sick, This Biden's idea that this is racist, that this is bad, that this is wrong and that is evil. What is sick to me is that nearly everything in our country is, again, filtered through the language of race and racism, because this is what helps the left most easily achieve their goals. And there are a lot of prominent Republicans that are starting to realize this game. I want you to listen to Chris Christie take this entire thing down on abc i want you to listen to this
2: latest fallout from that new georgia voting law major league baseball movie and the all-star game one of the things we're going to talk about on our roundtable. we're joined by chris christie rahm Emanuel, the ceo of democracy for america vet simpson and we want to welcome sarah isgar our newest abc news analyst she's a veteran of the trump justice department also a political analyst for the dispatch chris let me begin with you you have a baseball affiliation now one of the newest members of the mets board was this the right move the MLB?
3: Listen, it's just a symptom, George. It's a symptom of what's going on in our country right now. I mean, let's talk about what the Georgia law is really about, uh, because we haven't had much of that. Dropbox has now become a permanent part of the Georgia landscape. They were not prior to COVID. They are now. Minimum of 17 days of early voting, including two Saturdays and two optional Sundays. You're going to have all voters being able to have multiple ways to prove who they are. Driver's license, last four numbers, your social security number, even a utility bill. Or a free ID provided by the state of Georgia, um, and voting is going to be from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., as it is right now in Georgia. This is what so we what call it. What is
2: it a symptom of? It sounds it's like it's very a symptom of moves.
3: it's a symptom of this, George. And 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 I and I hate to come in here this morning to say this, because I sat here and listened to the president's inaugural address, and I just want a couple of real quick points from it. Politics need not be a raging fire that destroys everything in its path. Every disagreement doesn't have to be a cause for total war. And we must reject a culture in which facts themselves are manipulated or made up. And Joe Biden's broken his own rule, 84 days. And now he's lying to the American people, George. He's lying about this bill. He's lying to the American people about it to cause the raging fire he said he was going to put out. I'm very disappointed.
2: Y- Yvette, he did make some misstatements uh, about the bill. The bill basically. Chris Christie
0: did a really good job at, at sort of. Breaking down again what is actually in this Georgia voting law, but to also talk about the ways in which the entire conversation around it is being manipulated, you know, for the left's goals. And this is it, it, again, remember the the great uniter, uh, Joe Biden, the 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 uniter in chief. He was going to bring the country together. He was going to, you know, turn down the temperature. He was not going to talk about things in this way. So what are we seeing? We are seeing even more of the race talk. We are seeing even more of the divisiveness. We are seeing even more of of this stuff being used to kind of bully uh, Republicans and, and to bully people in a submission. And now, mind you, the left has turned these tools and they have turned those on the corporations. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the influence that the woke left has on corporations. I want you to think about this stuff. There was a um, so there's this guy, uh, Michael Knowles, another podcaster. He's on the Daily Wire, and um, there uh, one of his sponsors is Harry's Razor Blades. And some woke Twitter follower, with I think like I think this person had 14 followers, replied to Harry's and was like, "Do you know that Michael Knowles is a transphobe and he speaks in this way?" And he was like, "Oh my God, we're gonna have to pull our ads." And so Harry's pulls their ads from uh, the Michael Knowles show because of what some rando with 15 followers on Twitter said, because this is how they're afraid of, of the woke mob. By the way, um, Knowles is not transphobic. Um, he you know, traffics in, in the idea that biological sex is real, which is uh, you know transphobic in, in these days, uh, in this age. But even outside of that, this is the influence that the woke left has on corporations. And these corporations have taken note. They are terrified of the Twitter mob. And not only the Twitter mob, But the Twitter mob, when it makes its way into discourse, when it makes its way into what, you know, Hollywood says, what celebrities said. Now, Delta and Coca-Cola, their CEOs have come out against this Georgia voting law, right? They have not so much come out against the law, but they have come out um, against the way the left has portrayed the law to be, of course, racism, you know. When you can call something racist, like nobody wants to be called a racist. Nobody wants to be accused of racism. And so that's the easiest thing in the world to the woke left to use, to get these corporations to bend to their submission. And now, so Delta and Coca-Cola, their CEOs have come out against this. Now the, the MLB, Major League Baseball, has taken their all-star game out of Georgia in protest. You know, they're quote-unquote protesting this law. And so the question is: Number one, when did corporations um, start start um, you know guiding legislation and guiding how states run their elections? First of all, that's a question that nobody's asking. And think about this influence that the woke left has on corporations. Because now it is not enough, right, that the left has control over entertainment, over politics, over media, over news, over all of this other stuff. They want to control these or these corporations and they want to bully them into pulling what i call a form of economic blackmail on these cities when you think about the mlb pulling their all-star game out of out of georgia think about the millions of dollars that are being pulled out of that economy right now think about the 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 small businesses and the small business owners whose lifeblood is something like that going to Georgia. Think about the food trucks. Think about the bars, restaurants, hotels, all of that stuff. Think about that stuff. And so this is what the left is doing right now, right? Um, So the Twitter mob wants to win this. And I'm going to tell you this. You know who loses? Working people. Working people lose. The people that um, are going to, you know, Uh, work the the MLB all-star game, the people that are going to work in the hotels, the people that own these hotels, the people that own these small businesses, the people that own these bars, these restaurants, these local clothing stores, these local sports goods stores, all of these places will be hurt because Democrats and the left want to exert political pressure on corporations to change a law that they think does not benefit them so they have decided to call these laws racist this is dangerous and what this also is is an attack that the left is testing just like they're testing these attacks on Juan DeSantis. i'm telling you guys because the left thinks that they can keep georgia blue they they have flipped georgia blue because of the last election so so georgia went for biden whatever they think that they can regain a stranglehold on georgia so this is the new battleground state They will use every tool in their arsenal to influence corporations, to influence media. There are um, Hollywood celebrities that say that they won't work in Georgia anymore. Georgia provides a lot of tax incentives for... Um, different Hollywood productions to film there. Tyler Perry, self-made billionaire at this point, uh, one of the 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 greatest Hollywood businessmen ever. His entire studio system is in flight. Like Tyler Perry has created basically a mini Hollywood in Atlanta, right? And so this is an attack that the left is testing out. But the thing about it is, is that this will not stop in Georgia. Okay, this is where it starts. Because as soon as they can flip Georgia solidly blue, and as soon as they know that they can call election integrity and election law reform racist, and that they can use this to influence and bully corporations to punish these states financially, they will do this in other states. They will try to do this in Texas. And then when it's done in Texas, they will try to do it in Florida. So you have to realize that a lot of this stuff is disingenuous. A lot of this stuff isn't real. A lot of this stuff is total and complete and disgusting politics. So that is what's going on here. And this is not an attack, like I said, that will stop with Georgia. This will go on to Texas. This will go on to Florida. This will go on wherever until these people are able to remake this country in the way that they want to remake it and by the way since you know I'm, I'm, I'm having fun today so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep going here by the way don't ever forget and don't ever miss the connection that we have between the left's total fighting of any election integrity laws and any voter id laws in any state that is deciding to try to shore up their election process Do not divorce that from what is going on at the border right now. You cannot divorce the fight against election integrity that is coming from the left from the complete disaster that is going on at the United States border right now where you have so many people flooding into this country. Because these are both ways that they can get power. They call any sort of election integrity racist. They can um, influence these corporations that to not give money to these states. They can get what they want to there, while at the same time ensuring that there is a steady flow of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of illegal immigrants coming across the border that they can one day make American citizens and get those votes. These things work together. They are not happening independent of one another. They are happening at the same time. It's not a conspiracy theory. I am not making this up. These are facts. These are things that are going on in this country right now. So when we deal with these attacks, when we deal with the idea that everything is racist, when we deal with all of this stuff, we cannot allow facts to get lost in a narrative, we cannot allow facts to get lost in a political narrative and amid the agenda that the left sets and pushes. We cannot let far-left Twitter and woke Hollywood celebrities and all of these people take control of corporations and to influence these corporations so that the left can pretty much control perception, and they can control how elections are run in states that they do not even control, right? We cannot let the far left take control of corporations. We cannot let them hurt working people. We cannot let them engage in economic blackmail with our large corporations just so that they get their way. We've talked about a lot of things this episode. You see how the mainstream media and journalism, quote unquote, is used to attack politicians that are threats to the left. Politicians like Ron DeSantis. You see how they use this language of race and racism to control conversations, to get what they want. My advice To anyone that has problems with this, to anyone that takes issue with this, is to start standing up and to start calling these things out. Because how the left and how all of these bullies and how these totalitarian mobs and how these authoritarian mobs, these people get their power through your silence they get their power through your silence about things that matter they get their power through your silence of not standing up and saying something because you don't want to be called racist because you don't want to be called a white supremacist because you don't want to be called all of these awful things that they have weaponized in order to get their way so my advice to every single person listening, to every single person that has issues with this. And some of you are on the left because I know some of my listeners are are on the left. And you're the type of people that are on the left that are so afraid to speak up to the lunatics that are now taking over your party because you are afraid that you will get canceled too. My advice to all of you is that you have to start stepping up and you have to start speaking out because bullies get their power through your silence. Bullies get their authoritarian impulses. They get their power. They get their influence. They get all of these things because good people are too afraid to stand up and say the right thing. So my advice to you is say the right thing start standing up to this nonsense because if you do not you will lose this country before we go I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening if you're enjoying the show please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts you can also find me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Rob Special thanks to our researcher, Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker, Newt Gingrich,
2: part of the Gingrich 360 Network.